0: Welcome back to the second part of this week's Born Human podcast and this fascinating journey in a different side of parenthood. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. It was a real pleasure to be part of this conversation. I've said that on more than one occasion and I don't apologize for saying it again. I hope you're enjoying it. Sit back, relax and enjoy a cup of tea or something else lovely and we'll see you at the end. we talked a bit about help and like did do you both feel like you are on many levels obviously we talked a bit about the fact that you know uh medically you didn't get a lot of help Eric after a year because sort of how see how that was for you Chris and also kind of what help you guys got in terms of support from counsellors therapists friends family that kind of thing did I do my job that kind of thing you know as friends <laughs>
1: you didn't you were awful yeah yeah. i'd say you're one of the most um cold one of my coldest
0: yeah 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 but you know Uh, what that is chris because you never pick up your phone mate That's
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's all part of it weirdly i mean um but like in terms of medical support it's such a mixed bag like there's aspects of the nhs that have been brilliant and if you do ask for it and if you ask for it in certain ways and with certain persistence you can get some really useful things in the UK, and I've been lucky that I've been able to do that for Mum and Dad. But there are also stark limitations that, like, no, I, 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 I've noticed especially within hospital care, like, like in certain wards as well. as how the wards are run. Like, the, I've like in that in that twelve weeks Dad was in, um, there were certain walls he was on at certain stages which were absolutely phenomenal phenomenal and i'm not just saying it's just the staff and their level of training but i think it's also that some wards were clearly had more resources than others Mm. dependent on how they were triaging your the patient but there are other wards in that where you know i have seen like absolute mind-blowing incompetence even last week even last week you, you just you, sometimes when it goes wrong it can go spectacularly wrong I've I, that dad's nearly had sit, taken serious injuries um, through through that and um, uh, yeah it's, it's mad so but I have to say like I think the NHS I, by and large for me and my parents situation has been very good and I've been lucky enough to get certain advice from GPS who said look it's there, but you've got a, you've got a, uh, you've got a, I think a, up a fuss for it and stuff like that, you
2: know. I think that's the sort the big thing that I, I generally think that I, I wanted to kind of push actually, Andy was, um, you need to ask for help. You, you can't actually hold back as much as people. I think the problem's so big now with um, caring for parents that unfortunately you have to fight and. And, and ask and push um, to make them understand how serious it is because yeah. they're obviously dealing with like multiple fires and I'm not saying like push away yeah. to the front of the queue but you've got to think well actually no this is serious mm-hmm. and you're not taking it as yeah. serious as, as it is so you yeah. have to really push your point and explain it obviously but just push for whatever you think um you need. You might not know what you need, but you know that this situation isn't, isn't right. So yeah. I need to. I need more support, or I need help, or I need to understand where I can get help. Without, if, if if you don't push, and you might not be. You know, people might not be that way. I am certainly that way. We we're a very close family who try to deal with situations, but you can't. The problem's so hard, parenting for your parents that you have to push for help and you know what that was the saving grace with with my dad we got him into clubs and you know through met lots of people through alzheimer's uk and stuff like that and these kind of people brought a wealth of you know knowledge and experience to say look you need to care for yourself you're caring for your parents but you need to care for yourself as well And even just meeting someone that can say, I know exactly what you're going through. Mm. I've helped people. I've done it myself or whatever. Meeting these other people and getting a little bit of knowledge from them rather than trying to, you know, learning on the ground, just to advance you enough to help your parent, enough to make the whole situation just a little bit easier. Not all the time, but it can definitely make things easier and better for the person that you're caring for and you. Which I yeah. do think is a big portion of it that you have to. I, I that's where I feel I went wrong at first. I was just purely caring for my dad, trying to help my mum, and I totally neglected myself.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So um, I think you need to always feel okay that it's it's you know it's not okay. It's okay not to be okay, yeah. um, and it's okay to say I need a little bit of time to myself to figure what I'm going through as well yeah, you, it's so intense and so constant, it's so easy just to, to put to the side because you're just tired yeah. and all you want to do when you do get to the point where I just want to just relax rather than walking away and maybe look, actually I wouldn't mind speaking to someone about this or
0: yeah. getting
2: away for a day and just coming back You know, getting respite or getting whatever and you can sometimes feel selfish that you're putting someone into respite or whatever but I actually think you need to make sure you have time for yourself because you, yeah. you can't care for someone well if you're not caring for yourself. Yeah. That makes
0: sense. I think that's such a common thing with mental health in general when you are caring for someone. I mean, I can relate to that from our experience of postnatal depression. It was the same thing. I just basically, not having been through it, I just basically threw myself at the problem trying to constantly fix it. And what I realised afterwards too late was that by not looking after myself, I became part of the problem in some respects. And that is, you know, it's a, I guess, to some extent, it's a human thing to do, but for the, to avoid the sense of any guilt or selfishness or anything like that, I was just like, no, no, I'll put myself second and I will do that. Let's focus on you. And then it's exactly the same thing. Like if, you know, I, I, kind of common thing that I've said many a time before is like what do they tell you when you get on a plane, right? It's, you know, if we have an accident, put your own mask on first. And if you don't put your own mask on first, you're no good to anyone else, right? Because you can't breathe. So if you can't breathe, what chance has your kid got or your wife or your husband or whatever, you know? And it's the same thing, really. Um, but it is a really difficult psychological thing, I think, to come to terms with. And unfortunately, a lot of people me included, come to it too late and you realise it after the event and be like, Jesus, I wish I'd have done that. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I'd have made more time for me and just accepted that that's okay. But did you did you say so you would put did you put your dad into respite care at times or?
2: Well fortunately we had you know my sister and my brother and I and my mum so we, we, we could we could balance it between us. Um and we were looking at respite, we were literally like that's that was the next step. But my dad's dementia got so bad. He was falling over in the house so many times, he was he was actually hurting himself and stuff, um, you know, accidentally. Um so we had to just kind of make the move to put him into to home because we just physically didn't have the ability to care for him in the house. So but we were on the um on the brink of doing that. Yeah. Because it was becoming such a stressful and strainful situation. But what we found, um, without the respect, it was just clubs and finding places for my dad to go that we could then go and do something else for half the day. Yeah, And there's lots of that. You know, the more you seek it, the more you find and you mm-hmm. meet other people and they tell you about something else or they say, well, we're doing this. Would you want to be part of this walking club or singing club or lunch club or stuff like that so yeah. we would just try and find places, it sounds bad but it's like almost like a, a nursery to drop my dad <laughs> off and then go away yeah. and do something else I feel
0: like that with children, like, <laughs> a lot of the time it's like, well, who's going to have my kids today, not that I don't <laughs> love them but it would be great if I could have some time to myself occasionally, but yeah
2: so that, that seemed to actually help a lot
0: Yeah What's it like for you Chris, because you
1: kind of done a lot of it on your own right uh, yeah i've got my brother um mm. as well um i'd say i've taken more of the lion's share of it yeah it's been quite unbalanced and i think part of that is because my brother's been looking after his wife's mum yeah who's had vascular dementia and, and been through the abs- absolute ringer as well and they, she lived with them for quite some time um and a bit like eric it was just a choice that i was mate I, I was just like um for me I was like I've got a I'm not judging anyone by any other, anyone else's standards just what I think is right for me to do here what no. I can do to to do that and sometimes that was too much and it broke me a little bit certainly did like um I think I did luckily I think I've been through a bit of a bad time in my mid-20s and so I kind of knew the sort of warning signs about my mental health so I actually got help quite quickly but that didn't mean it resolved it quickly, (laughs) you know, like being recognising you're in a fucking typhoon doesn't get you out of a typhoon. Yeah. You know, you, and, and I think even with help, it was quite difficult mentally for, for a while. Um, but yeah, um, I managed to, I, I started getting caries involved with mum and dad when, when it became apparent that, they couldn't do things like take medication on time. They just couldn't do it. And it was so important with that. The timing of dopamine for, for people with Parkinson's is really, it's a real fucking like finely balanced game that it's an art form in, in, in medicating and making sure you get the right amounts to reduce his restlessness and psychosis and all this other fun stuff. So that's why I brought in a carer. And then our carer still Jess has been brilliant, has been there throughout dad. Now, like, well, the late stages of dad from the point where they couldn't just take their medication to still with mum, and mm-hmm. that, that has enabled me to manage mum at home and the risk at home still. But it is like a constant re reviewing, like, mum has had falls, she has broke her wrist. That was the mat- like, the like, I think I, I've never come so close with mum as I did. November, December, uh, October, November last year, where it was like, I would say it's probably 70, 30. Mum was, I was going to have to put Mum into 24 um, hour care. Yeah. But by some miracle and by actually getting her with overnight supervision and respite, because I couldn't completely do it for, for two weeks, like when it was really at its absolute worst, which helped me, helped my sanity. Mum bounced back from that. And actually, she the, the things that posed Mum as a. Like we have all the things turned off, like the ovens in the house. She doesn't even know. Mum's not a wanderer. Mum wants to watch TV and likes being in her home. She doesn't like doing activities. I mean, we were taking it to activities at pre, pre, pre-lockdown. pre But um, she doesn't really like any of it. And part of contentment <laughs> is my mum's happy. My mum likes looking out the window and seeing a robin. And I've been brought to tears seeing my mum talk to a, a bird and seeing that, you know, oh, right, OK, Helping the people in this situation is different for a, 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 the, the specific person. For mm. so long, I was desperate to get mum doing things. Yes, desperate, desperate. Let's, let's do this quiz. Let's paint. Let's go out. And now mum just does that. But she's happy. She's safe. She's secure. And she's not falling over, which is ultimately the, the biggest worry for mum. Like when she gets frail and gets ill, it's a UTI or it's a mm. chest infection was the recent one. She's then doing falling over. But I've got cameras all around the house. So basically, uh, Jess is there three times a day. I stay there two days a week. And I've done that now for, uh, I I, I don't know, a long time, like, I don't know, years. And I love it. I love doing that. I'm very lucky with my girlfriend that she's absolutely fully, fully supports me doing that. Um, And that has been the commitment to keep mum at home. But Eric, eventually, mate, it'll be it'll come a point where well, it's just not tenable. I know. think, to
2: be honest, you never you don't. I didn't. We didn't want to put my dad into a home, um, yeah. but as you say, it's it, it becomes impossible and risky for them. So uh, it's, it's totally. more about it was, that that's what Sweden does. The social workers like it, it's actually risky now having them in the house because it, the stairs, they could, you know, there, there's some real major problems that, that were there. Um, so, unfortunately, we had to make the choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yeah. I think everyone is unrealistic. We always just, we're like, no, never, never. He's never going to home. But that was just unrealistic and daft. Yeah. Um, Not because you've been daft. It just you don't want to see your parents do that. No. You actually have to be realistic. And my, I think it was... Uh, God, one of the Alzheimer's people says that you really have to think about where you want your dad if you know, when it gets to that point where what home and all that, and just ignored it. Yeah, just thought you, you don't know us, you don't know us, and we're not <laughs> going to have that. But you actually you need to plan for every eventuality, yeah. mm-hmm. um, as much as you don't want to. Um, but uh, one thing I was going to say is one thing I would always recommend people to do is get a power attorney as well. Yeah, we did that yeah, very yeah, early yeah, on. My dad and he was quite happy to do it. But mm. um, it made a huge difference as things progressed.
1: We had a little trouble with that. We had a little trouble. <laughs> um, but ultimately, we got it done. And it, it's mad, really, because Dad, like, although he was seriously, seriously ill, when I, like Dad almost, like, after signing power of attorney, probably eight months before he then, then f- went into the hospital for the last time and we had no, I had no thought, I thought my dad had years and years in him, and um, even though he was living it with a, a, a massively reduced quality of life, I still felt he had a few years in him, um, so we, it, it does help power of attorney, you know, and if you say that in hospitals as well, it, it helps a little bit, but one of the things I found um, is the amount, people will just forget all the care, all the hospital stuff, they kind of and it's something that you become protective over. They just don't quite. Even hospital stuff, don't, I don't think they quite really understand the mechanics of dementia a lot of the time. Like, mm. and that, that that you can say like when mum has emergency services out, which by the way is like if she had like a, a reward card for emergency services, <laughs> I, we, we'd be. I could fly around the world.
0: You get a free Big Mac.
1: She's, they're, they're they're all out. Like not really exactly. She's like the last six months has been quiet, but other times it's a lot. And you can say straight off, like, just to explain. And if mum's in front of you, I don't want to embarrass her. So I'll say, mum's uh, memory's not that great. And then when I know mum's not paying attention, I'm like, she has late stage dementia. If you ask her things, really bear in mind, you're just going to have to turn to me and then ask me the same question. And they're like, wicked. And then, like, they forget. And they go back into servicing someone who's compass mentis and able to make the decisions for them. and uh, it's mad to see it it's mad to see it but also I do have my um, I appreciate that it's not easy and they work with so many people in ER like you know the the ambulance team the ambulance service actually by and large has actually been one of the best parts of the NHS for my my parents certainly so yeah
0: Yeah.
2: me too me too
0: I think they do a great job don't they certainly um, yeah no reason to complain about them by the sound of things certainly from what you hear Just one other thing that I wanted to understand how was it sort of working and how understanding your work colleagues and bosses and that kind of thing of what you're going through, how aware of it are they? Do you, you know, what is your experience of that while it's all been going on? Go on, Eric.
1: Go on, Eric. I was just talking, so I thought
2: I'll give. I I, am obviously, I quit my job. So, I didn't have any colleagues. Yeah. Um, I can only really get annoyed at myself. Um, I actually found... So, I had been building a little company on the side anyway. But when I gave up my main job, you know, quite a big job, you know, like managing 30 staff and stuff like that. <clears throat> when I gave that up, um, and I, I did... I, I do feel I jumped, you know, two feet in. um. It's like anything. I, I made a decision, so they didn't really have a choice. So I, I was just off. But when I was obviously working, um, so I just started doing self-employed stuff so I could work it around me. Yeah. The work I was getting, the people I was working with understood what my dad was going through, yeah. and they were actually very helpful. So one of the companies in London started giving me the work up in Glasgow. So I was getting this work fed to me and I had a little bit of leeway to kind of do it when I had to do it. Yeah. Within the parameters of, like, obviously we can't wait a year, but you've got time to kind of do this when you can and then supply it back to us. So they they changed their the system that they were working to help me deal with my situation.
0: Yeah.
2: So that yeah. was really... I couldn't obviously thank them any, any more for that. So I, I I don't know if that's the same for everyone, but that was my situation.
0: Good reason to be honest, right, about what you're going through. Like I think a lot of people mm. keep it quiet, right, but actually by sharing it, you the kindness of humanity is, is out there quite often and, um, yeah, people, we are able to adapt, we're capable of adapting and it's great to hear that you know, you were given that flexibility and that people kind of showed their humanity in it. How was it for you, Chris? Um, My,
1: so I've had two sort of careers for, for over the last 20 years. One is in financial services and the other is in weirdly like podcasting and music promotion and running a, a small little clothes label. And my financial services sort of like employ, uh employers um were brilliant Mm -hmm. and still are to this day like working from home like they they are literally like your mum comes first like like obviously what happened last week i was um i'd taken a little weekend break with uh, my girlfriend for her birthday and then on sunday night i'm up doing my usual camera checks at like 4 30 in the morning and mum's on the floor so things change quite quickly then Mm -hmm. and i've got to sort of sort that out and um most of the time she's okay to be left alone, but I still like, you know, there's certain times where like, if Jess says, Oh, she's been a bit funny today, then I'm like, extra like, right. Okay. So anyway, I, I lost it. You know, I, I, I said to work that I can't come in today because of X, Y and said, they're like, Chris, it's, it's no problem. So the financial services world in my experience with handling this has been super. Yeah. Very, very understanding. Um, Me as a boss of myself, I mean, I nearly bankrupted myself. I I, I nearly signed the papers for bankruptcy um, s- five years ago, mm. because I wasn't managing. When at that point, I wasn't doing picking up any financial services contracts. At that point, I had I was I'd fully gone like running. I had about four nightclubs and the pod. It's all no, this is pre-podcast and the, and the clothes label, and I kind of was thinking i was going to be all right even though running nightclubs and, and promoting music you've got to be on the ball man and if you're not on the ball you're losing money and and i just started hemorrhaging cash i, I remortgaged my flat with the plans originally was to buy another place Andy. if you remember back then yeah ended Up spending all that money um i was my worst boss i treated myself like really really badly i, I I should have made other decisions financially and instead I thought, no, I'll be all right and I'll just still do these things and I'll live off this money. It was terrible. I was making so many suicidal decisions. It's cost me, I'm sorry for anyone listening to this thinking, Oh my God, I hope my parents don't get dementia. But <laughs> I just right. say like, you know, my dad always used to say what's going in, what's going out. has got to be coming in. And I, I kind of threw that to the wind a bit. I was making poor financial decisions at that point I wasn't really getting really asking for much help even though people were offering it all my friends was Andy was and I kind of like yeah I just got myself in a right absolute mess and um, yes for me People and how people have treated me about the subject in this day and age, I would say I'm really, I've been blessed with that. I -hmm. think it's how kind of I treated it myself. And I just wasn't managing my finances or work. I wasn't getting the work. I wasn't doing the work properly. Um, I would have been better off at that point going back into something like financial services um, where I could pick up contracts and just do a job that I found very easy, even though some people might consider it complex I would have found it easy, and I think i would have I could have survived financially much better if I'd have done that, hmm. but instead, I was a bit like, no i 've done really well with building up these clubs I don't really want to let it go I'm sure I'll find a way out and i I, I went through a lot of money before like yeah. realization that actually maybe I've got other skill sets I could rely on that mm-hmm. actually don't want so much for from me
0: yeah
2: uh, I think, yeah uh, so courtesy that that. Uh, it's a- Similar thing, but it's not about the employer. I think what Chris has said—that's exactly what I did as well. Weird enough, I now I know I jumped in with two feet. I did as well. Jumped in, obviously I had that contract still in London, but it was it was minuscule compared to yeah. the job I gave up. And I I I actually I had to give up the job to mo- to move back to Glasgow, but I regret doing that without actually planning it better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just cut. Literally cut the cord and went. Um, we're looking back now, and like, because I've still got a bit of the debt from that. In a sense that it's, you know, I, you manage it after a while, don't you? you? Kind of work out right how to get back to this. But I definitely financially was hit by making the decision to go to help my dad, which I don't regret. I just wish I managed it better. Yeah. I wish I said right. You don't have to just instantly react. Take a breather, sit back, maybe get advice, and then make decisions based on that. Where I felt like it was, I was quite alone in the world with the whole event, and I just went right now. I'm I'm going to do this, and I'm just going to deal with it. And it just that to me was a bad decision based mm-hmm. on good intentions.
1: Yeah, you know. Absolutely. I I
2: went through exactly the same thing, Um, but not, I don't think it was, I don't know. Everyone's different, aren't they? But I I generally think that was a, a bad move for, you know, for me personally. And then, and it could have been, I could have still made a good move, but just fought it through a bit more rather than just like, bang, I'm doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. I I could have
1: saved so much. And and I think, I think exactly what you said there about get, if you feel you need to take advice, speak to, speak to the sort of services that do get offered to you as well as your parents. If, if you start to, if, if you, even pre-diagnosis, if you think things are saying, get advice, speak to people and don't go making like, you know, if you're going to make,
2: reactions.
1: yeah, like make check, check in and make sure it's not your emotions making the, doing the thinking. And yeah, yeah that's what I, that's what I would say to me. I think people just, people
2: are embarrassed to say, because it is an emotional decision. But people, I find it hard to maybe separate the two to say, well, it's not just emotional. You really need to stop and think about it as well. And it's a very hard thing to actually say out loud because it looks like you're then, well, you're not being emotional because you're thinking logical about it at the same time. But you really need to just blend the two together and go right. There's nothing wrong with thinking logical yeah. even when you're thinking it's an emotional decision. Your,
1: your emotions are like they set your values, right? Your emotions are what drive you whatever it is, right? But ultimately they don't also don't solve problems. Thinking solves problems. You you can get you can be as happy or as angry, you can be locked in a room, right? And you could be your emotions could make you want to get out of it. I want to get out of this fucking room, right? But that frustration isn't what gets me out of the room figuring out how to get the door unlocked. That's what gets me out of the room. And so your emotions can be the thing that you, your values set you say, you know what? I, I was lucky. I was, I, I was really lucky with my childhood. I always say, I don't think I could have had a better childhood, right? i was shown a lot of love. I don't think everyone has that. And when these things were happening with my mum, dad, it really was kind of like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to step up here. Not really, no knowing. I don't think you ever really know what that entails, as like parenthood is as well, right? Yeah. But so that's my values, they were my my emotions. But sometimes my emotions were doing the thinking as well. Uh Whereas I should have been like, well, yeah, I do want to look after my mum and dad. Let's go and do. Let's go and just fucking bury my head in the sand, remortgage my house, and think everything's going to be fine if I live off that money. It's not. No, it's, yeah. it's not. It's going to go really bad. Like, And I wish I'd have had that and been like, right, set these emotions aside. Let's think about this. Or I'll tell you what, let me speak to someone who can objectively look in and go, Hi. yeah, I'm, I'm not in your shoes. And I know that sounds like it sucks, but also don't go and do this because that's financial suicide. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a big thing for, for me. Yeah. And you're right, Eric, it's hard to think that I don't want to seem like I'm cold when I'm making certain decisions, when you talk about like when you've got to make that decision to, you know, have your dad go into a home and stuff like that, it's a really, that must be so. Like, I, even now, I know, as I say, I'm not blind. This is an absolute eventuality. And I know what homes I'm tapping up um, and, yeah. and all these things before mum ends up there. But um, you have
2: to.
0: Yeah.
2: You unfortunately have to think about it. Um, but as you say, you almost learn through the process of going, out. Well, you know through this that you have to start making harder decisions mm. which you you wish you knew at the beginning <laughs> yeah because the beginning decisions aren't actually that hard compared <laughs> to the decisions you end up at so it's one of them in it
0: there's a lot of lot. Like, i mean there's a lot of parallels there with the sort of self-care side of it right and those sort of making rational decisions and sensible decisions and sort of being like I can't be seen or I can't feel like I'm putting myself first in this situation. Like my parents are ill, then I need to put them first kind of thing. But as you say, like sort of being able to take a step back and sort of mud it over and think about it and then make the right decision is a really difficult thing to do for fear of kind of what will people think of me or, you know, what, what does that mean? And that that's really tough, right. But I think it's, um, It's been really great having you both kind of share it all. Thanks for your honesty and thanks for kind of giving us a fully open explanation of kind of what it's been like for you. And I think actually you just hit the nail on the head for why this thing's happening really, Eric, in that um, the reason this conversation, you know it doesn't change your situation either of you, but it does potentially change someone else's situation if they hear it first and they're able to kind of learn from what you've been through. And that in itself, I think, is both great and also a great place to kind of wrap this up and say thank you. But um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great to have you both on. Thank you as
2: well. Thanks for putting it together. It's good. To, if it helps someone else, then that, that's outstanding.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. And, and you know, just I said, me and Eric, except we didn't really know that, that we were both going through this. And so, because and we, we, we haven't seen each other in ages, probably because in the hurricane of this yes, that yeah. we've gone through, you just blow away for, away, and you don't actually notice what other, sometimes what's happening and you're not publicly talking about it, but, you know, hopefully we can still chat, Eric, about it. You know, if you're ever having a mad one or whatever, or, you know. Never. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would I? Why would I call
2: you, Chris? <laughs> no, hundred percent, Chris. I, I wouldn't mind uh, having a few chats. You know, it's you good, can. and uh, I'm glad you're. Um, it sounds like you're doing everything you can, but as you say, it's um, you've got to try and um, relate and 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 meet people who are going through the same situation just to relieve some of the stress. I think and understand that it's it's not just you, which yeah. um, and. Yeah. You can it's okay it's okay not to be okay and and it's good to you know, you don't think you're experiencing the same situations as other people, but you are. Yeah. Which is a relief in some ways, in a weird way, isn't it?
0: Yeah. There's a weird there's a weird sanctuary in it sounds terrible and morbid, but there is a weird sanctuary in knowing that someone else is either going through it or has been through it and like, ah, thank God it's not just me kind of thing. It's not because you wish badly on anyone else it's just that it does just it lifts it in a way where you go cool that's fine i can you know if they can do it so can i and if not we can do yeah. it together kind of thing
1: yeah dementia isn't a good news story it's not a party in by any stretch of the imagination and and, and i think obviously talking about it people listening will probably be like oh yeah that is that is brutal and it is in many ways but there are like the the, the good the, the good the good side of it is like getting to look after and love someone and show someone you love how much you love them yeah. and, and and that feels fucking great and I also have got a compassion for and a deeper love for p- p- elderly people than I ever had like it has opened up a perception to life that I never had before it so i'm not trying to sit here with rose tinted glasses we certainly haven't painted that picture, but it has there are perceptions and there are things that a good and for those yeah. moments when you have that moment like with your father eric and like that instance with mum with the, the robin in the in the garden yeah not that long ago it's it it's that's when you just think oh, i'm glad i've i'm glad i've done this you know i am glad yeah. i've been had the opportunity to show that i can step up and i can be there for them so yeah
0: well I think hats off to both of you I know we're friends and all that as well but like genuinely I think it's amazing I know you wouldn't have had it any way, out of the way but credit to both of you for being I guess the kids that your parents would have hoped you would have been so good on you both call the uh, parents I think,
1: treat your kids right <laughs>
0: that's right yeah and also I think we've got a new title for this episode which is Dementia's Not a Party that's Chris's part in show.
2: welcome to the party
0: pal welcome to the party Right, I'm going to say goodbye, but thank Bye. you very much, guys. And um, yeah, we'll um, catch up next time. And there we have it. That's it for this week's Born Human podcast. A massive thank you to Chris and Eric for being so candidly honest. I think when you think about our role as parents, it often strikes me that our role isn't unique. We're not in a bubble of just parents. That role exists in so many different guises in society. And so this podcast was designed to challenge us on that and to recognise the fact that the same struggles happen in so many different ways. Although there's common ground, there are also differences and one of the most striking ones for me that both of them brought up for me was thinking about the fact that with children at least, they are generally on an incline, they are getting better, they're learning more, they're developing, they're becoming more independent. With dementia, Alzheimer's and many other conditions in aging parents, they are deteriorating conditions and actually become more challenging over time. So I think it's important to recognise that even though as people we may not have the same experience, we may not have the same backstory and we may not be in exactly the same situation, we do share a lot of common ground in terms of our experiences and the difficulties we face on a day-to-day basis. Massive thanks to Chris and Eric for joining me, it was a privilege to be a part of that conversation as ever. For all of you, thank you for joining us and please like, subscribe, share as much as you can. And we'll look forward to welcoming you to the next More Human podcast.